Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. My name is Di. I am joined by Ruth, as always. How are you, Ruth? Doing well. Doing well. What about you? Yeah, not bad. Thanks. Just about, you know, the, the, the hangovers have cleared and the, uh, <laughs> and the excitement of Wales Away has evaporated. So, yeah, normal life is slowly returning. Um, we are going to be talking about the Nations League games against the Belgians and the Poles. Um, talking about the start at 11, a few other bits and bobs and answering your questions that we've had as well. So let's get straight into it, Ruth. Um, first, most important question. Where did you watch the game? I actually, the Belgium game, I have to, I have to uh, acknowledge that I didn't actually watch it live. Oh, bloody hell, man. Because <laughs> it was the middle of the day and a Thursday year and I had, I had stuff I had to juggle. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know the result and I watched it that evening. Um, so, you know, I was sort of pseudo live. And it, it's enough over here. If you don't want to find out a result, you can avoid things pretty easily. Yeah, um, so I didn't watch it till the evening. So I was just watching it um, online later, later in the day. Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine in that case, I had a slightly different uh, uh, experience to you. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've intentionally saved this story from our pre-match chatter. But uh, I, th- uh-huh. I think you'll enjoy this. Um, woke up, well, the, the boys who I go with, uh, Paul and O's, landed uh, late on Wednesday. So we went to like our local pub and had a few pints of fair play. The girls looked after us, uh, had a few drinks in there, ended up coming back to the house and having a few more drinks and staying up way too late, talking absolute nonsense again, pissed. Um, so our plan was to get up and drive uh, to Brussels first thing in the morning, uh, which we sort of did. You know, I sorted a few bits and bobs out. We had nice sausage baps for breakfast and off we went. And I put... Uh, the name of the car park was in Place de la Justice um, in Brussels. I put that safely into the sat-nav and off we went, you know, motoring along down the road, chatting away, singing songs, whatever, for about two hours or so. And I was like, do you not think it's weird that we've gone past all the signs for Brussels and we've not, ta- <laughs> we've not taken any of those oh, roads? Dear. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. You know, there's another one for Bruges there. I was just like, well, yeah, but we're not going to bloody Bruges, are we? We're going to Brussels. Someone have a look on the sat-nav. And it turns out that I had put Place de la Justice uh, into the sat-nav, but I'd put it into the sat-nav in Nantes. Um, so <laughs> had I not checked, we would have ended up in France. <laughs> Which was, if I'm honest, less than ideal. Um, so we then had to have a quick u-turn uh and uh and get ourselves back back on track which we did so we ended up being about an hour late in the end which was less than ideal but uh all all fun and games in the end before picking up our ticket and stuff and having a mooch about and having a few drinks we bumped into uh roy who's uh who's someone who we met on the last wales away so i had an afternoon playing stupid drinking games with the boys and, uh, and with roy and then obviously headed up uh, to the main square where there were loads of fans and uh, had a few beers with Laura McAllister, which was nice to see her. She was there with her dad and one of her friends, so that was good. A few drinks. One of very few occasions that our, our friend owes has, uh, has put his hand in his pocket and bought a round. Um, we, <laughs> we videoed the uh, the event for posterity purposes. Um, and then, yeah, headed off to the ground. But I'll talk about, I'll talk more about that later. But yeah, it was uh, it was a very, very good, very good day. And um, as we noted in our post-match ramblings the next day. Belgian beer is strong. Um, 
I will put our kind of Pope. I, I tried to do some recordings we were going through, but cards on the table. We were so pissed after the match that I forgot to do it. So the post-match chat happens whilst we were having breakfast the next morning. So it's not quite as amusing as the first two, where there is quite a lot of shouting at each other going on. But uh, I will. I'll put those uh, in between talking about the Belgium match and uh, and the Poland match. Um, Ruth, let's start talking about actual football. Um, mm-hmm. The the starting lineup was was pretty much what we expected i would say wouldn't you agree yeah and i think it was identical to what what we were suggesting ahead of the game other than i think we'd lent towards morale rather than matt smith but um i know joe's coming back for some injuries so i, I suppose it kind of makes sense not to put him in for for both games but otherwise i think the starting 11 is what we'd anticipated given the absences and and bale probably not being ready to start that game yeah, I agree. There were no surprises. As you say, I think Joe Morrell was coming back for a bit of an injury. I think that was reference after the match uh, and ahead of the Poland match as well. So I think that was the option. I thought it was interesting that he gave Smith one go, if you like, and Levitt one go mm-hmm. in, the, in the two matches. Do you think that was a case of, you know, you've each got your chance to impress? I think so. I suspect that they are each playing for one place in the 26. Um, as a as a backup defensive midfielder, I don't might be tempted to take both of them actually, given given that's our one of our weaker areas. But that's that's a, a discussion for the future. But I th- I suspect it was very deliberate, one game each. Yes. Yeah, I I was looking through. Someone posted what they think will be their squad on Twitter, just very briefly to go back to that, and and it was very noticeable that I I think I think. This person had chosen Levitt, uh, Smith over Levitt. I think oh, Smith and Levitt. Sorry, I tell a lie. Smith and mm-hmm. Levitt, and I. It made me think exactly what you've said there. I, I'm not sure both of them will end up going. Given it's a 26, I'm I'm not sure both of them will end up going. I'm, I I don't know who the other person would be. Whether they'd gamble on a on a young person like they did taking Colwell to to the Euros. Maybe I'm not sure. But yeah, it that that did make me think. And. Uh, I don't want to be too hard on Matt Smith. We'll get we'll get into it, but I don't think he played. Partic- I don't think Levitt played particularly well in the Poland game either, for what it's worth. But um, I don't think he played uh, particularly well. I, I, it was obviously difficult to have a full gauge of everything. I've watched some highlights back when you're when you're at the ground, and mm-hmm. you know, as I reference in the in the pre-match drunken nonsense, um, you you get into the ground. Oh, that was another shambles. Got to the bloody train station. And the guy was just like, yeah, get on this train. We're going straight to the stadium. I was like, oh, brilliant. Thanks. And uh, we were traveling for some some distance and looking at our little maps around us. It was very apparent we were, in fact, not going to the stadium. <laughs> so I said to the man, I was just like, oh, apparently this is going to the stadium. He was like, oh, yeah, it is. But you have to get off and get on a different train to go to the stadium. I was just like, well, <laughs> well, this one, this one's fundamentally not going to the stadium then, is it, you moron? Um, so anyway, he told us to get off. So we got off at the next stop. Loads of Wales fans followed and did what we did, which all of a sudden was a lot of pressure. Um, we got off, waited for the next train, which was a seven, and said to the man, all right, drive. Are you going to the stadium? Someone said, we need to get on the seven. And uh, he was just like, nah, mate, next one. So <laughs> we were just like, don't get on, lads. Wait one more. <laughs> so your man goes. The next one turns up, which is like, apparently you're the one that's going to the stadium, mate. It was just like, nah, you've got to wait for the seven, mate. I'm just like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> That man just could not be asked with the hassle of having a load of Wales fans on his tram. So we eventually got on a seven and went all the way around the houses and eventually get there. It was a bloody, it was a massive, well, not massive, it was about probably about a mile walk to the ground then. And then when you get in the ground, 
you're still about a mile from the stadium, <laughs> like from the pitch. <laughs> like when I saw the pictures and stuff beforehand, you think it's kind of over-exaggerated. But it's the running track, so that means you're far away from the pitch behind the goal anyway. But then yeah. the the stadium itself doesn't start like on the edge of the running track. There's like another bit in between. It was miles away. Like Kiefer Moore, <laughs> Kiefer Moore's goal was at our end, and I reckon I only knew it was Kiefer Moore scoring because he came and celebrated a bit closer to us after it scored. I mean, it was obvious, but it, honestly, we were that far away. And there were there was some advertising deal they had with some company. So there were like five or six vans parked around the edge of the running track as kind of their advertising thing. So, they, you know, there were people parked in a bloody van, like it's Sunday League. There was a man sat parked in a van watching the match, and he was about half a mile closer to the pitch than I was. It was absolutely bonkers. Um, anyway, yes, that's what I was saying, going back. Um, I, like, we started what I felt quite positively in the first maybe five or ten minutes. Like, we really seemed like we got after them uh, in those opening exchanges and were playing quite high up the pitch, which I quite like. It didn't continue, but it, that opening section was quite impressive, and, and then it kind of did tail away relatively quickly. Yeah, I certainly loved the initial sort of high tempo, pushing up, um, playing high on the field. Uh, I mean, it didn't last very long, as we as we well know, but I thought it was an excellent start. And then, obviously, we were very quickly sort of putting our place a little bit by De Bruyne, weren't we? I'm afraid so, yeah. Um, I think, I, I think you, you referenced in our notes here that you, we got careless. Um, I, I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's, that's a really good description. I, I thought for the goal, the way we got moved out of position was I like I can live with that because it's Belgium and they're really good and Kevin De Bruyne is incredible. So like to this there's, there's bits of that I can kind of manage, I can live with. But mm-hmm. but I, I I do struggle that we've left Kevin De Bruyne unmarked at the edge of the penalty box and furthermore like it was a it was a good finish like in a good position but I don't think Hennessy's it's not Hennessy's fault if he's not covered himself in glory. But there's nowhere near Kevin. De, nowhere near Kevin De Bruyne. It's not a powerful finish. He's not lashed it. He's just placed it because he's yeah. got so much time. And I and I don't know about you, but that that was an obvious concern to me. I think. I mean, as I said, I use the, the term careless, and I think we ended up pretty out of position in that stretch of play. Um, there were there were parts of the game where Amper do seem caught between dropping back and being an extra central defensive player and actually playing defensive mid. And I don't think that, I don't think it was the wrong decision in any instant, if you know what I mean, but it felt like it was happening too often. The back three were being pulled out of position quite easily. That left Smith even more isolated in the holding midfield. And I think that just, it just didn't gel the three of them at the back and the two of them as defensive mid, something just didn't gel very well there. Um, And I think that came across as the carelessness. I don't think for one minute they were actually, they didn't care what was happening in front of them, but I think it came across as that sort of harried mishmash. We're being pulled out of position. We're not on top of the game. We're giving people too much space we're then rushing when we do get possession. They all it all kind of went into that mix of us just not being in the the next 
30 minutes of the of the first half really yeah i i totally agree and my from my viewing of it i think part of that became was partly to do with a lack of organization again i I know it's obviously done some purpose but i i think Mm -hmm. their attacking players focused on their midfield right they had one sitter basically and then four four behind a one and the two wide players were kind of dragging our fullbacks all over the show so that often one center half had to go and help which left a space, which is yeah. what I think meant Ampadu was ended up sitting in. I also don't think Ampadu was helped mm-hmm. particularly by Matt Smith. Often just seemed like a beat off all the time. He was just that second late to a tackle or second late to a pass or second late to the inter- interception or whatever. And always seemed a little bit behind play. So I think like Amp- I felt like Ampadu was chasing his tail a little bit, which left further space. And as a consequence of those things, him dropping in, the wide players being moved all about a, a lot, which pulled out a centre half very often. It meant that mm-hmm. the two kind of attacking more central players, sometimes Hazard, sometimes De Bruyne, were left with quite a lot of space in that midfield, and that really came to pass in the goal. Because even after that, the same sort of thing happened again, where De Bruyne is breaking free, unmatched almost. And like he has that one-on-one, which he scuffs. Yeah. He hits the post a little bit later. He kind of bends one round. You know. Uh, that's what I found hardest to deal with because I'm I'm not saying everyone could be on him all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was it, I, I I felt tactically there was a space because ultimately they only had one man up front who was actually up front, and we had three people yeah. marshalling Bashway. So if we I, I felt at, at half time or maybe even sooner than that, if we'd gone a two at the uh, like a four at the back, sorry, and put an extra man in midfield, I felt like that would have shored things up a little bit. Because that's where I f- felt a lot of the threat was coming from, and I appreciate it's very difficult to change system mid-match. We have issues in that depth in depth in midfield ultimately as well, which didn't help. Um, yeah. So I I recognise this not just a a simple fix to that, but I do agree, and I think careless is the right word because I felt like we were chasing our tail a little bit. It's not about not mm-hmm. caring. I I felt like that was the thing, um, and I think. The lack of cover is, is something that you've said there, which I think is is key. And Morel maybe having a bit of a knock didn't help with that. And, and I think all of those issues combined. Um, with with all that said, as the second half, as the first half, sorry, grew, we did grow into it a little bit after they scored. And I know they had their chances. Um, and, uh, and you know, we'll come back to their second goal in a sec. But we did have opportunities there didn't we you know we had that Nico Williams chance which kind of got deflected just wide and um there was a header mm-hmm. I think as well for from one of the centre-backs so there, there were definitely opportunities that presented themselves we just couldn't make the most of them and I, and I felt I don't know about you but I felt our final ball in that area was quite frustrating yeah yeah the, the delivery was poor I mean Rodden, Rodden and Ampadu's headers were probably amongst our best chances of the half, perhaps our best chances of the half. And I think that says something, doesn't it, when you, you can think you think what well, our strength is up front and yet, um, you, you know, your centre-backs and your defensive centre-mid have got perhaps the best chances of the half. Um, and there were, it was a good save uh, um, and a good clearance to to prevent those. And um, But I think we, we were creating very little... Uh, there seemed to be quite a lot of confusion around delivery. Um, like we 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 sort of rushed forward on the break, and then it would sort of halt somehow in the last third without anything really constructive going on. And it just it felt 
a bit of an anathema to how we've how we've actually played recently. We we seem to be um, yeah, a little just a little out of step, a little confused, a little uncertain. And I know I know the opposition plays into that, and they they you know they harry you and. You, you feel pressurized because you're already a goal down and you're away from home and all of that sort of thing. But I, I just, we, we just didn't look like the us of recent of recent sort of couple of years, and I think that was a bit frustrating, really. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think their second goal is is, is another good demonstration mm-hmm. of that. You know, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think our big thing was when we broke forward, we didn't we created we 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 went with numbers often but without a real commitment to it people would drive forward and then stop and play a sideways pass or would yeah. just run run out like panic a bit almost and just play the ball into the channel and hope for the best and obviously you know they're really good so that that kind of tactic isn't isn't for the best and I, and i think mm-hmm. again that carelessness showed in the second goal obviously other way around this time but de bruyne has kind of got down the outside just just too much space for him to move into yeah don't get me wrong i i, I don't I, I can't argue with a cross in the finish uh, that's 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 borderline undefendable like that pass <laughs> once he's got there is so perfect between the goalkeeper and the defender there's nothing anyone can do because if the goalkeeper gets well goalkeepers are not getting there if the defender does he's almost certainly turning it past his own keeper and it's you know Batuai, you can just stand still. That can just hit him and go in. So I, I can live with the finish because and the goal itself because the ball was so pinpoint good. But mm-hmm. I, I again stress the build up to that. The movement created space too easily, and we just looked that disorganized. And I think that plays into what you were saying. Into equally as well, when we're on the break, we looked disorganized there was no kind of set plan or or, or idea yeah. really of what we were going to do in attack at times and I think I don't know if you agree with that but I, I felt like those two are a good symbol of our, that first half performance all told yeah I mean De Bruyne doesn't even look up does he he just delivers the the ball knowing that Baxwai is going to be in that general area yeah. and as long as as long as he as long as he keeps it a yard and a half in front of the goalkeeper then the the attacker is always going to have the sort of I don't know right of way almost in that in those instances because the because the defenders just on a hiding to nothing really if they lunge for it. Um I think that the sort of non-involvement of Daniel James, I don't want to single him out, but I'm just using this as an example. The fact that you barely knew he was on the pitch for that for that first half, I think that's an example of us having a having set up a but then not playing that way you know trying to trying to get it out wide and run at them and cross and cross to key for more but we get ourselves in the position of that happening and then it just didn't happen so i i think it was just a bad first half for a whole host of reasons wasn't it yeah i i, I think that leads to an interesting question about the da- about dan james as well um Paul Godding um, at Seven Puzzle on Twitter has, has got in touch, and he said, um, "Is it would it be better to have three in midfield and two up front?" Discuss mm-hmm. um, if if we did, which two would we have? Now, I think that's in that instance. There's two things there in terms of the Belgium game. One of them is, I don't think the personnel we had meant that we would have been able to do that in an effective way. First of all, mm-hmm. and second of all. I think that would have been the tactical switch that I would have liked to have seen. But also, we've got to avoid what I would like to call Steve Bruce syndrome, 
where we have square pegs in round holes, where we just put in players on yeah. a pitch because there are better players and when we just hope they do the thing that we need them to do. Um, and I think, yeah, all right, maybe Ruben Colwell could have gone on, but I don't think he was the right sort of player in that moment. Um, in the same way that Morel could have gone on, but he had a bit of a knock. And then we'd have three defensive midfielders. I'm not really sure that's what we're after. So in, in, in isolation, I, I understand. I, I personally agree with Paul. Well, I say, I, well, he says he thinks it's a must. I, I agree with him. Um, I, I think that would suit us better. I also wonder if, in certain games, and we've done it these last two games when we needed a goal, I wonder if we could do it sooner or even look into doing it dependent on who the opposition are. I'd do like a 4-3-3 and retain the three in, in midfield to help us be stronger there, but also retain the three kind of attackers up front. I think that would maybe get all of our better players on the pitch. But again, I suppose that's a bit square peg round hole. You know, Nico Williams and, and Connor Roberts aren't going to be wing backs then they're just going to be full backs and I appreciate that's not their natural position so I am contradicting myself as I go along there but um, yeah I wonder what you thought there because I quite like the idea of the 5-3-2 myself um, I think it's got merits in games like this where you've got to be that much more solid in midfield because of the level of the opposition I'm not sure I want it to be our sort of go-to uh, under under circumstances where we're we're playing a team that's got you know less flair than than the Belgians, uh, but I can see merit, particularly at the start of a game. And you brought this up in the last pod where you just want to stay in the game. You don't want to go down early. And guess what happened? We went down early. And I think we're just. Just a little bit too open in that central midfield area in games like this, where we're playing people of the quality of the Belgians. Yeah, I, I agree, and I again, I recognise there's players missing and all that. I, I also think that I mean, it might change. That might change if you have Ramsey there, for example. You know, do you have two holding and Ramsey, and then two up front, and you've got a better bridge? Um, but I think there's, there's a lot of variables there. There was a lot of people missing from this from this when you look at it, Dave. And I think we can't be naive to the impact of that either. No, that's true. But the, the, the thing we've got to think about here as well, though, right? And I know this is not palatable, but there's a chance that this might happen for the World Cup, right? So mm-hmm. I know we don't want to think about it, but we can't say, let's, you know, we go to the World Cup, Alan, Ramsey, Davis, don't go. We can't say, yeah, but those three didn't go. No, no, we've got to find a solution for it. So I get that argument and I agree with it. And I think there's loads of mitigating factors. It, it makes the result more palatable. But I don't think we should, that should be our go-to excuse either as the flip side of that, you know? Because I also think mm-hmm. it, it avoids talking about, I think the thing that I've not really seen anyone talk about, and I don't know whether half time through our first match report is the right time to do it. But we're here now, so let's go. I... My biggest worry is playing the two in midfield and the three attacking players is you saw in the Poland game when our first choice four attacking players are fit, being Johnson, James, Bale, Moore, we dropped more. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe that that would be the preferred choice for Rob Page. 
And I think that's a terrible idea. I am going to preface what I'm about to say with, I think Gareth Bale is God. Okay, let's everyone just, I'll say it one more time. I think he's God. Let's just get, get that in our minds. If Gareth Bale plays like he had in these two games, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, but I don't think he should start in the USA game in Qatar. Because when he came off the bench against Belgium, he offered very little. Poor passing, tripped over his feet a couple of times, didn't really drive us on. Every time he got on the ball, you know, he didn't offer much. I thought he had his quietest or worst, use whatever word you want, in that game that I've possibly ever seen Gareth Bell play for us in that Poland game. There were points where he was literally tripping over the ball. And I've never seen him like that before. I don't know whether he was playing with a knock. I don't know whether he's not fit. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know whether he was just trying to bundle through to the World Cup. I don't know. But I felt that he... I thought he was really poor on, on, on Sunday against Poland. And I appreciate I'm jumping around now. But I think mm-hmm. another thing that goes with us having a two and a three is that, that we drop Gareth Bale and then it is Moore and Johnson or Moore and James. Because for me, Moore has to start. We are so much more of a threat when he's on that pitch. And it seems like there's an unwillingness to drop, to play Bo- to play Bale and Moore together. Because I assume you'd have Bale on one side, Moore in the middle, and then probably James on the left. Which means we're not playing Brennan Johnson. He obviously would prefer to do that, it seems, than Moore. So I just think then we're going back a little bit to square pegs around whole type situation where we're trying to get certain people on the pitch. And for me, if Gareth Bale plays like he did in those games, I, I just don't. I just don't see you can justify starting him, which I know is a mad thing to say, and I'm sure people are going to kick off about that. <laughs> but I, 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 I think, I think that's also like that's not based on nothing. Like I, I don't think you could, you'd go a long way, probably outside Gareth Bale's family, to find out to find people who who said they thought he played really, really well in these two games. So I, I quite like the two, because. It would be for me Moore and Johnson, Ramsey as the ten, Ampadu and Allen in midfield, or Allen and Morel and, and Ampadu in defence, depending on which way round you want to do it. Um, and so those would be my two, which I appreciate would be unpopular. I can see the argument, but based on these two games, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to go down this road yet. Uh, but the trouble is, the next game is is against the USA so you know we are where we are I mean I've said for a long time we score more goals when Moore is on the pitch and so if it's a choice between Bale and Moore it's actually really difficult isn't it because we seem to, we seem to be able to score more goals with more with more there but I'm not sure I'm ready to give up on Barrett yet either I can see the argument that he'd be a pretty pretty special sub if if his play was there. And I, I thought he had some impact on the Belgium game. I don't think I, I saw it as negatively as you do, but he certainly didn't. He wasn't impactful. Um, and I think Brennan Johnson is playing so well that it's very difficult not to play him at the minute. Um, I just don't, I just don't think we're going to make any radical changes when the next game is a world cup group game, Dave, I just can't see it happening. I mean, and you're right. And look, I mean, how many times have you and I sat here and I've come out with some, you know, great theory 
And the next time that Wales have stepped on the pitch, it proves that I know absolutely bugger all about football. So, you know, my, my, my opinion is not exactly worth a huge amount. And I recognise that at set pieces, for example, you know, he's mm-hmm. worth being on that pitch for on his own. And against Austria, he won us that game on his own. So I'm obviously yeah. not talking about everything. I'm just saying that if he plays like that in those two games, because that's the, our most recent pool uh, of of evidence. So, you know, I appreciate those other things. And I do think there are times where we, you know, we stick him in the box for things and we try and put a cross in. We did one short free kick routine uh, against Poland and I had such a tantrum. I honestly thought my eyes were going to come out of my head. I was so angry because just stick it in a fucking box don't if either let Bale shoot or stick it in the box don't fanny about with it I, I was so angry and I think that him being on the pitch alleviates this being a bad example but that this alleviates that like Gareth's taking it it's fine mm-hmm. so there I get there's a downside right and I'm not just saying I want him to be in the bin I like I want him to be better like I would <laughs> I want him to come back and and be class again and you know score the winning goal against the USA I want that I uh, like I say I'm, I'm slightly I'm just slightly concerned about his performance in that game um Let's keep going because obviously he did reappear in the second half, even by our standards. We're half an hour in yet, Ruth, and we've got <laughs> we've done we've done forty five minutes of one hundred and eighty, which is probably a new record. Um, you, you said no personnel changes. You're a bit surprised by that. I mean, we've kind of covered mm-hmm. the tactical stuff there, so I don't want to dwell on that too long. But you make the interesting point yeah. that we might have learned something from the game against Denmark, where we made some tweaks rather than wholesale changes. What 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 do you mean by that? Um, I, I thought one of the issues in the Denmark game was we didn't really address um, the fact that about 20 minutes into the game, they understood what we were doing and, and negated Ramsey in particular. But they, you know, they addressed the tactical needs of the game and we never did. And I think I was pleased to see that as we came out in the second half, there was some... There were some some slight adjustments. I was surprised there wasn't personnel changes, but then when you go back to what we were saying, perhaps there wasn't scope to make huge changes in, to this eleven, given given you know where we where we were. Um, so I thought we just stood off a little bit more um, in the second half, cut down their space, slowed down the game a bit, and it just all we it all just sat a little bit better in the second half, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And I mean, obviously, we we started very well, got an early goal, mm-hmm. um, outstanding from Brennan Johnson down the right hand side, um, a, a great leap by by Moore. I mean, you referenced there that he's outleaped three people to to head the ball at home, which will be, <laughs> you know, which does emphasise something we talked about in the preview pod, which is they are gettable, and that will be a worry for for, for them. Um, but uh, I, I do think that also had an impact obviously on the game, but on, on the tactical change became validated there because whilst they still had chances, everything happened about 15 yards further back and through a, well, yeah. I think that was a combination of our tactics and them also being willing to see the game out. I do also think they, you know, looked at it as almost a training exercise to an extent where they were, they were looking to see if they could just see it out as a, as an exercise, which mm-hmm. may, may be me being slightly, overthinking it but I, I do think there's an element of that to it because they were also not being as probing and pressing and they were looking to play, play a little bit on the break kind of lure us in and, and, and turn on the break themselves a bit so maybe I'm overthinking that but 
you're right. It, it did have an impact on the game, but we didn't create. And I, th- I felt, I felt like we were still being quite kind of managed fairly well, if that's the right, yeah. w- right way. To yeah, say. I mean, the, the the only real real chance we had was Musgol, wasn't it? Beyond that, it's not like we were suddenly creating things. But I just think we managed their play better. And I think you're right. I'm sure an element of that was them stepping back a little bit as well. Um, they had their eye on the on the Dutch game at the weekend. They, nobody wants to take a knock ahead of the World Cup. So I think they were quite happy just to sit on 2-0 at the start of the half as well. Um, wasn't As I said, it wasn't we scored and then created loads more chances so they you know there was any sort of urgency for them to just be careful with a one goal need it it never felt like they were really under threat did it no not particularly i mean we had uh, brendan johnson had that chance where the ball's kind of dropped to him and he's fizzed <laughs> fizzed it a bit but i mean you're right that was it we didn't create huge amounts morel coming on um, I, I thought he made a real difference. I thought he was excellent when he came on. He, he really moved the ball quickly from side to side and kind of tried to drive us on a bit. And you know, like I, I don't think Bale had a bad game when he came on. I'm not, but I, I, I'm just saying by his standards, I, I don't think he kind of contributed the way that he is capable of. And you know, fell deeper and deeper and gave some sloppy mm-hmm. passes. And you know, and I know it's not his game. He wasn't willing to kind of press little fifty fifties or. He wasn't crunching in for headers, and I get it. It's the World Cup coming up. Like I, I do get it. I'm not, I'm not knocking him for that. I'm just saying that you know these are the sorts of things that I'm, I'm kind of referencing uh, when I'm talking mm-hmm. about when I'm talking about that. Um, I mean, the penalty call. I mean, I've got to say, I thought the refereeing in both games. I mean, the, the referee in the Poland game. Uh, if he has not got like a Polish grandma or girlfriend or something, I will be absolutely <laughs> amazed. He was a disgrace. That man. He was diabolically mm-hmm. bad whilst the Belgian the, the man who refereed the Belgian game wasn't you know wasn't as bad as him he was still terrible he gave every 50-50 for them um, I, I thought he was I thought he was oh, I think he was awful as well I just don't know how he's given the penalty <laughs> I'm delighted it was overturned but I mean we were miles away I mean literal miles away at the other end of the pitch to, to that what w- would have been the penalty and it, it when he gave it everyone around us was just kind of like looking and shaking their heads and was just in genuine confusion because, I mean, it seemed clear as day that Morel uh, had got the ball there. It was, it was staggering to me. I mean, a good, good old VAR saves the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just for once I was glad for a VAR delay. Um, I, to be honest, just got, I, I think I've got, got to assume that he just, the angle he was at, somehow he didn't see it as clearly as, as we did. But, um, I don't, I've just I don't know what to make a referee in these days, Dave. I think there's a lot of questions around the relationship now between referees and VAR, and I don't want to go down the VAR rabbit hole, but I think it's left referees not in charge of games, and I think it's having more knock-on effects than just the VAR incidents. I. There's an element of that that I I agree with. I think ultimately, though, there's an element of competency mm-hmm. in in a lot of what we call top level referees that that you just that just isn't there. And yeah, this guy wasn't great. The guy against Poland was awful. I think back to the game against uh, Ukraine and I will not quote word for word what my uncle texts me, but he was just like, "This guy is." 
a bit of a a bit of a wally. Um, I'm telling you, he'll make this game all about him. And you know, the referee was poor mm-hmm. in that game as well. And it's something when you know this is coming before a game, you know. And yeah, and you know, I don't want to slag the ref. He didn't. Uh, he didn't change the outcome of the game. N- neither ref in either game did. I don't think. But you know, Ampadu got booked. I mean, it was I, I forget either him or Mepo. I forget which one. Like one of them was definitely a book in fair play. The other one, yeah. I, I think it was Ampadu's, was just was really not. And you know, I, I, again, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole particularly, but that that did have an impact on the Poland game because um, because yeah. those two got yeah. suspended. And I, and I just and I I really didn't think he was he was very good. The reality, Ruth, to to summarise, is that they they are really good. Um, we, we 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 allowed them to be the best version of themselves um and we i think looked a little bit jumbled mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball um realistically because of because of the players they were missing i, I think that's a, a relatively fair summary yeah i mean i they they were stronger than they were in june um we were weaker it's you know it's just we're not we're not at this level and I don't think we can pretend we are we're not at, we're not at Belgium's level and and at our absolute best we can go toe-to-toe with them and we've we've made them yeah you know, we've shown that on occasion but when we're not at our absolute best we're 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 just a bit naive we're a little bit unsettled we're a bit out of shape we're just we're just not quite there yet no I agree um and I think, and I think you know that that brings around a question of our depth, which we'll we'll go into uh, in a in a little bit of time. Um, there's mm-hmm. one thing, other thing you mentioned: comments on atmosphere. Um, what you said? Well, it sounds like a lot of street crime. I, I actually, did, I we didn't experience any of that, and and, and I didn't hear anyone who did. So, I, I, what what have you kind of seen? I don't know if you've seen someone just, on Twitter just or a, a, you know, looking at the. Um, uh, uh, FSA Wales Twitter and that sort of thing. There just seem to be quite a lot of comments just about being careful uh, with belongings and bags being stolen, wallets being stolen. And, it's, and I don't, you know, you don't. I don't know. I don't have any figures. I don't know if it was worse than any other um, recent away games. But it was interesting the number of comments that came up around that. And I, th- I think it's as much perhaps being an example of being an essential you know, centre of a big European city. You've just, you've got to be canny and, you know, a couple of Belgian beers and people, perhaps people weren't as careful as they might be under normal circumstances. And, you know, I, th- I think there was an opportunity for pickpockets to take advantage of people, but I don't know any specific states. No, that's fair enough. No, I didn't see, I obviously, I didn't see those tweets going out through the day and uh, I, everyone we came across was pretty nice. Um the Welsh fans were in great, great voice, uh, especially through the afternoon. Um, I do have one slight thing, which, I, and I hate to be in this, but I sound like an old man. But do you know what? Like, it's, it, it wasn't great. I, we were obviously in two tiers in the in the ground, and there were a load of people. I mean, I have been to some drunk away ends and home ends, for example, for that matter, in my life. This was a drunk away end, <laughs> like. People stumbling, like like bare, not able to stand up before the match. Like there, there was a lad behind us, absolutely fast asleep before kickoff. He was absolutely gone as, um, and 
people banging it, like stumbling around the place. Some guy tried to get his flag with about 15 minutes to go and just walked literally like hand first straight into me. Just couldn't stand up. And he was just stumbling and just couldn't stop. So he just absolutely polaxed me out the way. And like, I'm all up for getting pissed at football. I love doing it. And if you want to be a dickhead, you be a dickhead. It makes no difference to me, mate. Knock yourself out. But at a point, there were people finishing their plastic cups of beer and throwing them from the top tier down into the bottom tier. I'm sure there were people in the bottom tier who were trying to, who were doing it further down as well. I didn't see. But as a consequence, you are regularly getting pelted with plastic cups, and they're not like the like the cheapy plastic cups, like the like the squishy ones you see in the UK. <laughs> they're like proper hard plastic cups. And when they've got like I don't know, like a third of a something of beer in them, they're quite heavy and they're like really travelling. A few landed around by us, and it really made hell of a noise. And I just think, don't be that person. You know, like what what is the best that you think is going to happen? It's not funny. Like it's a dick move to do that when no one can see you, doesn't know where it's coming from. The people we were kind of under the lip, if you like, of the of the away of the of the above tier. And people mm-hmm. were just like so drunk. They were like kicking their beers over above us. There was just like a little stream of beer coming down. It got some of the flags so wet that they were blowing in the wind and were flicking beer off everywhere. And like people just kind of left the area, which means there's more people squeezing into other bits. And it just wasn't yeah. palate. It wasn't pleasant for like the last half an hour of the match. And like it wasn't just me. There were, mm-hmm. you know, I am by far away not an old man. I'm not a youngster anymore. But, you know, I'm, 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 thir- I'm 38 years old. I like a good time. But, you know, constantly, you know, moving and shifting around because someone's, you know, pouring beer basically over you or your pals. or the, You know, there was a group of lads in front of us who didn't come back for the second half. I, I don't know where they went, but they didn't stay around us. There was a big kind of square of seats where people just left. And I just thought, well, you dicks like that's such an unnecessary thing i mean it's not good doing it to to the opposition fans but it's certainly not good doing it to your home fans um so that that irked me and took a level of enjoyment out of the way and i'm i know i'm gonna get shit for saying this but i'm gonna say it any, i'm gonna say this anyway i think if we go to watch a football match as a as a as a nation we go to watch a football match right you, you want to get pissed and do whatever you want absolutely fill your you know fill your boots I just feel like we spent, as a fan base, at least a third of the second half singing songs about the Tories and the royal family and, you know, the sexual preferences of one of the princes and, um, you know, the former Queen's current living uh, arrangement in Surrounded by Wood, right? And, like, I, I will be the first to say I am... Not f- I'm far from a Tory. I am not a Tory voter. I am the least. I'm, I I I hate the royal family. I'm. I would be delighted to see them abolished tomorrow. But a there's people in that away end, and I know unpalatably probably the players who probably think that might be really disrespectful about the Queen and the royal family and all that other stuff. Equally, are probably Tory voters as well. And I know we don't like to think that, and I know we like to think that we all think the same, but it's not true. And I think if you want to go and support your country or your football team, play football, then support the players. Sing songs about the players and, and whatever. Before the match and after the match and at half-time, sing what you want about the Tories and, and the Queen and, and the Prince. You knock yourself out, mate. Don't care. Fill your boots. But whilst the game is on, I, f- I really feel like 
sing songs about the team. Sing Amorohid or Kalon Lan, not Prince Andrew's a paedophile. Like, I, I, I don't know if I'm being a grumpy old man here, Ruth, because I've done a nice little monologue here, but <laughs> I, 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 it just it really annoys me that. To be honest, it's difficult for me to comment without experiencing that. But broadly, I, I don't disagree with you. I think there's we're, we're there to support the team. Um, and I think that should be the, the priority. Yeah, and like before and after the match, like I say, sing it in the square, sing it on the tramp, don't care. Fill your boots. I had a bit of a chuckle. But like at the match, I just feel like there's that's what we're there for. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old, Ruth. Um Let's let's move on before I uh, lose us some listeners um, and uh, and look at the Poland game. I, I obviously I think Ampadu uh, and Mepham missing were, were were a big issue, but then as a consequence of that, knowing that Morel and Bale were going to come in, the only question again was that midfield berth next to next to to, to Mel really wasn't it, and, and it was uh, Levitt that got the nod. Yeah, and I think that stems from what we were discussing earlier, that it felt like it was a game for Smith and a game for, for Levitt, wasn't it? And I think that just that's just reflected in the uh, in the starting 11. Um, I think, obviously, Ampadu and Mepham were a miss, particularly in the context of who else we were missing. Um, I think it was in the... Uh, you know, like you said, we'll talk we'll talk about depth a bit a bit later, but I think it kind of um, it demonstrated those issues again, didn't it? Yeah, I agree, I, and I think again the only other decision that was made probably was Cabango over Gunter. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that was more of an opportunity. Think, I, Go on. I just think there's more to learn by starting Ben. I don't. I I, I genuinely think Gunter has got a, a place on the on the plane. I know we might argue about the merits of his playing, but I think he's too valuable for the squad not to go. I think Page knows what he's going to get from him, um, and I think that at that point, then you, you try out um, you try out and and see how he takes to it. It was a bit of a mixed bag, I think. I think he overplayed things initially. I think he was he looked. Um, over enthusiastic, if that makes sense, at the start of the game. Uh, but I think he settled down. In fairness, yeah, I asked the question on Twitter after the match. What do people think? I thought I like the way he attacks the ball. I like his physicality. Um, I, he, he scares me a bit with the ball at his feet. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think you know we saw a bit of that. Equally, I you know I totally agree. I that I was going to say the same thing. In fact, that that's why he was there get ahead of Gunter. You know what you're going to get from Gunter, but I don't think he had a bad game. I just don't think he had a great game. And I, I, I he does bother me with his decision making a little bit. But again, you know he's a young lad. He's also marking Robert Lewandowski, who's one of the greatest strikers of this generation. So it's not as if he's marking me. You know he he he, he had a hell of a job on his hands, and and I do think he did well. I, I just think when we're playing against top level teams, which they all will be at the World Cup. You know, he's he does give me the jimmies a little bit, and you know, I I do think he kind of handled the situation uh, pretty well. Um, I, I thought we started the game strongly. Actually, we kind of had the ball. We were kind of head them hemmed in. It didn't really create much again, but kind of were on the front mm-hmm. foot. And I'd say that lasted about fifteen minutes or so, and then we just kind of slowly yeah. started to drift back, similarly to to what we did against Belgium. Um. They were nowhere near as much of a threat as Belgium were, but I felt like that that front foot impetus kind of drifted away, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think we let them come into the game. Their plan sort of took root 
they obviously came. I mean, for them, a draw was enough, and they were they were going to time waste and feign injuries and play the referee throughout the whole game. And I think about 15 minutes in, they realised they could do that with this particular referee. And I think that that just sort of cemented how they were going to approach the game then. And we we didn't really have any uh, any counter to that. Uh, we we created, as you said, we created very little, really, even when we did have some possession at the start of the half. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the whole game was frustrating in that aspect, to, to, to go back to the mm-hmm. ref. Um, he allowed them... I mean, some of them were kind of crunching tackles. The thing that frustrated me most was that he fell for every single one of their play-acting <laughs> things. That When Robert Lewandowski got uh, Norrington Davis booked... I mean, for me, that's that's what VAR needs, should have gone back and looked at that. And said that's not a booking. It wasn't even a foul. They've come together. Mm-hmm. His arm has gone up. Yeah, it has gone up. But he's caught him, you know, with the top of his forearm on his shoulder. And he's fell over clutching his, his head or his neck, whatever. It's pathetic. Yeah. Like, that's what VAR should be there for. It's a terrible decision. You know, he's got him booked. All right, it doesn't affect the game, whatever. And I'm not saying we go back and change everything. But he's dived. He's feigned injury to get someone else booked. That's that's wrong. That's stupid. And then there was things in the second half, especially two, I think, on Dan James, or one on James, one on Morel. He's broken forward. He's gone round someone. I mean, one of them, This the lad has fully elbowed Dan James in the neck. Yeah. And he's not given anything. And, and it was the lack of consistency was absolutely mind-blowing to me. I, I just thought, I thought it, it was never going to be a good game. The Poles knew what they were doing, very good at the dark arts, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But I, I thought the ref completely ruined that game as a spectacle. I think it was really frustrating because he's not an inexperienced FIFA referee. He's been refereeing for 11 years. Um, done Champions League games, for example. He, he um, refed Man City against Porto a couple of years ago. So he's not, it's not like he's just, you know, fresh cab off the rack by any means. And so... Uh, I think that was particularly frustrating because he behaved like a naive newbie to the system, and he's clearly not. Um, he fell for everything, as you said. He and the, the polls were canny. You can't pretend they didn't, you know, by play and act um, act up in, in in every scenario that came to them, and they the referee allowed that and played into their hands. And I think that was the frustration because he hasn't done any other Nations League games this this window. Why was he suddenly, you know, the right the right choice for, you know, a do-or-die game? And even, look, you know, looking back in March, if you'd have looked at the schedule, um, you'd have said, this game is probably going to be the decider of who's relegated in this group. Let's make sure we get an, a... Uh, a referee assigned to that who who is capable of managing it and he clearly wasn't capable yeah I, I mean if we're going to be hard like you you've said in your notes here we didn't manage our expectations around that either no but no, I, no. I i think I, with that said I, I do think it's tough to i mean you just didn't know what you were going to get i mean dan james has been mm-hmm. phys- physically assaulted and he's and he's not given anything, you know. Like you can't manage that kind of level of incompetence. Yeah, yeah. I I hope someone has a good good long look at him afterwards because I just thought he was absolute shite. Um, you you referenced here that the game reminded you of that World Cup game against Ireland for for Russia two thousand and eighteen, where they kind mm-hmm. of came with a plan to frustrate. 
um, and I think that's a that's a, that's a good way of describing it. And frustrate they did. I mean the 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 goal in and of itself, similar to the second goal that the Belgian scored. The actual goal, I don't, I almost don't have a problem with because that pass, mm-hmm. that touch and pass from Lewandowski is like, just that's just undefendable. Like yeah. I, and that's yeah. that's football on another planet. I, I no one tracks the runner properly if I'm being really harsh, but you know you can't, you know, uh, you can't expect someone to not to do that. And and do you know what I mean? Like it was ridiculous. Lovely finish. Can't mm-hmm. can't argue there. Um, but. You know that was their one best chance. Um, yeah, and they yeah. were they were super clinical, and, and and we really weren't, were we? No, I mean clinical is not a word you'd uh, you'd add to a scripture of our of our game. Uh, we were pretty sloppy. I mean, I think I think Hennessy might have been the less busy goalkeeper technically, but I'd, it you know it's not like we were peppering. Uh, peppering the opportunities I suppose Bale's header against the woodwork like on might have been the best chance but we we were just sloppy just and and like there was a I think it might be the same instant you were referring to earlier but there was a a free kick with a couple of minutes to go that um James and Williams I think just sort of Tiki tacky play in the corner, and like the ball never even reached the box. And it's like we need a goal here. What are you doing? And I think that was a frustration uh, for me. Was just it, it improved when Corwell and Bale came on. Uh, sorry, Corwell and Thomas uh, came on. We had a bit more urgency. I think Sorba Thomas might have made a case for being on the play. Um, and Corwell was holding it up and playing that sort of number ten position a bit bad. But I, I. You know, I just I just thought we offered very little really and it it was overall it was incredibly frustrating as a game yeah I mean we did have chances you know you mentioned Bale's header there um mm-hmm. uh, a few other things where the keepers made a good save there's like the in swinging cross from yeah. James which the keepers turned on the post mm-hmm. and a couple of good saves I actually thought Zorba Thomas didn't have a good game when he came on I, I thought you know he was you know all all full of running but his final ball was poor and kept hitting the first man or I don't know. I, I didn't think he he he, off, he did it. He covered himself in glory, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I was just miserable. But um, yeah, it, it, it was it was it was disappointing and very frustrating. I thought Colwell did make a difference, though. I agree with you there. I thought he was mm-hmm. kind of direct and full of running, and um, and he looked threat. And then we did see what Gareth Bale can do in that one moment. I appreciate it was about mm-hmm. you know two inches too high, but hell of a head. It wouldn't have made a difference at that point anyway. I, re, you know, realistically, I suppose. But um, you know. That's that's what we came about. But again, that was kind of something from nothing. I, you know, I did, we didn't create much. Yeah. It was funny actually. I was watching the game with uh, with joy. I did a I did a half marathon on Sunday and went to the pub afterwards to watch the match. And uh, you know, I was you know tired and achy and in a, in, a, in a grump before things have already started. <laughs> and joy um, kept commenting on how Brennan Johnson always either seemed to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or just seemed, <laughs> or just seemed to kind of fall over a lot. And it's funny when you're watching the game with someone, no disrespect to my lovely wife, who doesn't have that, that kind of football knowledge, if you like. But it was funny because it's these little things which obviously stand out to, to her, but also kind of remind you, mm. all right, you know, he's not obviously rolling around on the floor or in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time. But it does it does give you an example of, 
when you focus on one person, we obviously weren't getting him into the game enough, were we? Because we know what yeah. he's capable yeah. of. And if he's in the wrong place, he's probably not. It just means we haven't given him the ball in the right place. Or if he's fallen over yeah. us. But do you know what I mean? Like it it just it, it made me chuckle that the way she said that I thought was quite interesting. And then what what the mm-hmm. kind of what that means for 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 people like us who who understand football a bit more. I did I did I did chuckle at that. But yeah, because I thought as the game <laughs> as the game wore on, his influence was so kind of hit and miss. He was so in and out of the game. Um, and I think a lot of that was we weren't we weren't getting the ball to him in the right places. Our decision making at key mm-hmm. times was was average. And I think that some players then became guilty of overplaying, and that free kick is a good example. I thought Nico Williams yeah. was like that as well. I thought at a point he was trying to take people on when he didn't need to, or pick a clever ball when there was a simple one or not. And again, I'm just using him as an example that he was he was yeah. far from the only one. I mean, ultimately, the depth issue is is the key one here, isn't it? Um, and I think Gareth Green has contacted us on Twitter and said, after losing Allen and Ramsey to injury, do we have enough creativity and depth in midfield to find killer passes? We were overrun against Poland. And I think that's actually the thing. We talk about depth, and we do have relative depth up front now and in attacking areas. In, in you mm-hmm. know, We do have genuine decisions to make if we play a two or a three, and even if we played a three, there's still one good player who's going to miss out. You know, we have got Ramsey. I actually think the the lack of depth is only in that central midfield area because after Allen and Ampadu, as those two holders, if you like, relatively speaking, that the level of quality does drop off. I've I've got a, I've been a huge fan of Morel. I, I don't think he had his best game against against Poland, but I think that's one of you know you could count on on one hand the amount of times he's he's not been at his best for Wales. I don't think he had a poor game. I just don't think he was at his best. But the drop-off between Alan and Ampadu to then, let's say, Morel or Smith or Levitt. And again, I thought a Levitt didn't have a good game. I, I th- think that drop-off there is a thing. So I think the depth in argument is actually really interesting because I do think we have a lot of depth in a lot of areas. But equally, there's big portions of important positions such as that, that, that holding midfield role where we really don't have that depth, do we? I think you're right in that if you had Alan and Ampadu starting, or even if you had Alan plus or Ampadu plus, we're in a better position, particularly if that plus is morale. I think I do think he's slightly above Levitt and Smith in terms of what he can uh, what he can contribute. But I think once you're down in using the level and the Le- the Levitt and Smith tier, then then there's too much for morale do at that point. Just, I mean, I think it's. I, I, I think you're right. I think we, that's that's where we've got the hole at the minute. I think we're also, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier about playing three at the front and two two in midfield, and you know what does that mean with Roberts and, and Williams playing as wing backs? I think we are too often only with only going for really two in midfield, certainly two defensively in midfield. We're asking those two often play against three and so I think there are times when we're putting them on a bit of a hiding to nothing as well and I think we need to be cautious that we um, we make sure the system means people can do what we're asking them to do yeah that's a fair point and and I do think Morel for example is his best qualities are brought out when he's with Alan Rampadu 
let's say, because, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't have to be expressive particularly or push the ball or do too much going forward. He, you know, those two holders, whoever it is, be it Alan or Ampadu or Morel, are there to break up play and, and, and give the ball to the, to the bigger boys. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, and that's, <laughs> that's no comment on Morel. I think the same of Alan and Ampadu as well. They can just do it in different ways. And I think when Ampadu is along, um, Morel is alongside someone like that, it's more, he's more capable of doing that because he just has to do the mm-hmm. basics well. Whereas you're right, alongside Smith or Levitt, there's that extra 10% is demanded of him. And that extra 10% is all of a sudden just stretching those players a bit thinner. Mm-hmm. And, and then you kind of see them out of their comfort zone a little bit. So I, I do that's a good point by Gareth. I, I don't think the, the depth issue is squad-wide. I think it's actually quite specific to one one part of the pitch. Um, I think... Looking at the the Nations League overall, because I'm aware we're approaching an hour now, but um, looking at the Nations League overall, I think we've... It's it's such a weird thing, right? Because there were two games there that didn't matter because they were either side of the game that did matter. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the alternative games are, you know, we're playing Belgium, one of the best-ranked teams in the world. It's... You know, it's very, very tricky to kind of make a clear judgment on this because we should have drawn twice with the Dutch. That that result still doesn't keep us up. Those results don't keep mm-hmm. us up. Sorry. So I don't say they don't matter, but they don't. They're not impactful results. But I don't. My only frustration from these is, and I and again, it's not a criticism because I I totally understand why. But at no point have we been ever have we been able to kind of go balls to the wall if you like against these teams with a possible exception of that Belgium home game where we did get a draw and did play well um, I mm-hmm. think it's, it's a shame we the way that circumstances have dictated has meant we've not been able to be kind of fully committed to this just to kind of see where we are and like I say some of it is our car of control but that would be my only kind of frustration about this yeah, I think it's disappointing across the six games when we worked hard to get in this league and we, we know we haven't really been able to show our best um, across six games because of the ex- because of the external needs of the Ukraine game. I still think it's the, it was the right decision to um, to prioritise that game, obviously. And I've got no problem with the starting 11 we put out against Poland away and I thought they did very well in fairness. Um, but we've been in all of the games. You know, we haven't lost by more than one goal. I think... The Dutch, the Dutch games. I'm, I'm with you. I don't. I, they didn't ultimately. Those draws becoming defeats didn't change things. But I think there was a frustration that we couldn't hang on to those points. Um, I think ultimately, though, my my disappointment is that we went into the last game at home against a team that's ranked lower than us, knowing that a win would keep us up, and we played so disappointedly. And I. I think from the from the nature of being in League A, it was probably, as I was saying a little earlier, it was probably always going to come down to this game. It was probably always going to be between us and the Poles as to who was going to be relegated, understandably, when you've got Belgium and, and the Netherlands in the group. And we got ourselves to a point somehow where we needed a home win, as I said, against a team that was ranked lower than us. And we, um, we, we couldn't do it. I mean, it's not low... And we didn't come close to doing it either, as well. And I think overall, I was pretty, I was pretty disappointed with how how things went on Sunday. Yeah, I I, I agree. The, the performance and the outcome was obviously frustrating. I think if I'm trying to look at positives, we've scored goals in all mm-hmm. but in all but one game. And when you consider the opposition, I think that's quite impressive. 
Could we have scored more? Yes, we've definitely had a chance to score more. We've got a great home record of scoring goals. I think the last time we didn't, uh, before the Euro, after the Euro, sorry, was that Estonia nil-nil game. So it shows that we're capable of being creative against good teams. I think, as you referenced there, and I said last week, it's important to be in these games, isn't it? Into these last 15 minutes of matches is to be part of the conversation. And I think maybe not technically because of how we've played or the way other teams have controlled a game or whatever. We have been in every single one of these six games in one way, shape <laughs> or form. And I think that's impressive because all you need is, you know, something to bounce the right way for you or, you know, something to come off the inside of the post or the underside of the bar or whatever. And I, and I think that makes a big, big difference and you just never know. So there's definitely upsides to it for me. And I think the experience of, you know, on a, on a personal level, being able to go and see big games quite easily. And I think a lot of away fans would say the same, you know, get into, you know, Prague was one thing that wasn't the easiest, wasn't the most challenging, you know, getting to Estonia mm-hmm. was, was difficult, you know, getting to Brussels and, and Rotterdam are easy trips. And, you know, people like that. And it was, and it was good fun. There were loads of tra- fans traveled as a consequence and it was, and it was an entertaining, uh, an entertaining thing to be a part of. So I, I did really enjoy it. I, I do think it's, also as an eye-opener as well, that just quite where our level here is. I mean, you've referenced us being a yo-yo team in in these terms, and I think I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, that's... that's. I mean, I'm not sure that's such a bad position to be, yo-yoing between the two leagues. You know, it's a whole lot healthier than where we might have been if the Nations League has existed 50 years ago. So I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, I think I'm more frustrated that we just, we just haven't shown our best in this tournament, and I, I think that's the disappointment. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the 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 outcome doesn't change the seedings as it as it happens for mm-hmm. for the Euros draw, which yeah. I think is on the 9th of October. We're in interesting we're decision to interesting decision to make the pots solely based on these nations leagues, particularly this nations league when they knew just how skewy it was going to be. I think I don't know quite how I feel about UEFA making that decision for this for this round. It's a weird one. The timing of it I, is it makes it an odd decision, but mm-hmm. I do think it does. It adds extra weight to the importance of the Nations League and extra importance to it. And I mean, you look at Hungary now in the top tier, England down in pot two. You know, it's it's there's a definite upside to that. I think you know mainly that we won't get England in the in the draw. <laughs> I couldn't be asked for that shit. But um, yeah, I I do think there's that 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 I kind of like, but I think the timing of it, as you've mentioned, has is, is, is not been helpful. But, you know, I think it, it is helpful to some of those teams, you know, who are winning. I mean, Luxembourg have have been on an incredible run. They drew 3-3 with Turkey, and they were a minute away from winning that match. Turkey mm-hmm. got a late equaliser. They won late against someone else the other night. I mean, they haven't, they've, they haven't won games for years. I think I read some of that, like, since 2014... In this Nations League campaign, they've won more games in this Nations League campaign than they had previously since 2014. That's amazing. So for them, I think they're in mm-hmm. pot three now, the the, the Luxembourg, Luxembourgians, um, uh, those lads. And I, think that's, and I think that's amazing. I think, you know, they, they deserve the reward. I think it does jumble the pots yeah. up a little bit. And I think if the French hadn't beaten the Austrians, them down in pot two, 
it mixes things, things up a bit for the Euros. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's great on the basis that the top two teams qualify anyway. So there's no real chance of a, of a big nation, if you like, or less real chance of a big nation missing out. So I, I do kind of like it, but I, I agree the timing is not great. Um, I'm waffling on here, so I've talked a lot today, Ruth, sorry. You've been very mysterious here, Ruth. In our notes, you've you've mentioned a, a, a stat about crossing, and you said, I've, I'll save the details for later. So please do tell uh, what your stat is. Well, I think it just it might just sort of hang on the, the style of play questions and what this means for what sort of team we are going forward. Um, so UEFA gather information across the six games and and there's a stat that they call crossing accuracy which i'm actually not quite sure what they mean by accuracy presumably it means that you retain possession of the ball and do something positive with it but anyway so across the six games how many times do you think we cross the ball oh god this is an awful question like the answer could be two or three hundred um well, uh, no, just give me, just I'd, do it per game if you like. We can multiply it up if needs be. How often do you think we actually cross the ball do, uh, in a game? Like into the box, is that is that the question? Yeah, presumably, yeah. yeah. I, I would say we would cross the ball into the box, I would say 20 times a game. Okay, that's, that's pretty accurate, actually, because we cross it, that would be 120 across the six games, and we actually crossed it 115 times oh. in the six games. Oh. So that feels about right, doesn't it? That Get feels it. about right, okay? Now, how many of those 115 do you think we completed? How many of those crosses were completed out of 115? Um, I'd say... Uh... Five per game, so thirty. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, you're better at this than I thought. It's twenty-four out of one hundred and fifteen. Okay, which means that we're basically getting one in five crosses into the box with a positive outcome. Now, I, I can't break that down in terms of which games Kiefer Moore was playing in, which games he wasn't. That sort yeah. of thing. It doesn't. It doesn't like nuance it at that level. But I thought it was really interesting that this is how we want to play the game. Are we actually being successful at it? Are we actually using our wing backs and key for more in the way that we should to to utilize accurate crosses? And I, I think there is a tendency for us to get the ball in the area, but not necessarily get the ball in the right area. And I, I think we're going off on a bit of a tangent here. And I, I think it might be, a, you know, a, a discussion to tease out as we look towards the World Cup. But I thought there was an interesting reflection on, like, who are we? Who's on the field? And what are we actually producing from it? And, you know, to have a 20% crossing accuracy across the six games, it just, it just got me thinking about, are we actually teasing out what we want to from how we're playing it's interesting first and foremost well done me for being a genius um (laughs) (laughs) um second of all yeah it is that because i i think james is a is a winger to all intents and purposes Mm -hmm. whereas brennan johnson isn't but we don't want to not play brennan johnson because he's really good at football yeah so part of that is an identity issue i I suppose and a part of it is like you know i said the other day if bale starts and Moore doesn't then if our aim is to get the ball wide and get the ball into threatening positions but the person who's going to win all the headers isn't there it begs the question why he's 
getting splinters rather than being up front. So you're right. That is a different <laughs> uh, it's a question for another day. But I, I do think it's interesting. Um, I One more question, uh, just very briefly. Uh, Peter Landers has asked, who's brave enough to say, Gareth Bale, it's time to spend more time on the golf course and the football pitch? I'm not going <laughs> to... Uh, Peter, I uh, I appreciate your honesty, my friend. He's said pen in brackets, not me. Um, I didn't say you should spend more time. On, <laughs> well, you on didn't the... say quite that, no. but you might, you know, you might, you might be moving down that road. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was just more on the basis of these two games. Again, just to reiterate that, I love Gareth. Yeah. Um, the last one, uh, again, I referenced these guys last week. I just it makes me chuckle every time they pop up. Wales World Cup song by Blitz Boys, again <laughs> with the super catchy Twitter name there. Um, it is quite a good tune, actually, uh, if you want to go and listen to it. But anyway, um, they've said, should Gareth Bale get a World Cup haircut, uh, which is uh, <laughs> a very, a very deep, a very deep question. What do you think about uh, about Gareth Bale's hair, Ruth, to finish on a on a highly analytical note? <laughs> I think it is what it is. I don't think we're going to get a haircut. No, no. I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, I, would I, I, I would I be in favour? Maybe, maybe, maybe he needs to go blonde like like Ramsey did in the in the 2016 Euros. Do you know? What? I was just that's I, what we need. I was just about to say. I do quite like the idea, though. It maybe not like a haircut, but Gareth Bale with like with purple hair and and blonde tips or something. <laughs> I. I think that would be. Uh, I, I quite like that idea. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe when you is it this weekend? You're going to going to watch. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got to have their fingers crossed that he actually at least comes on as a substitute for me <laughs> when LAFC play in Portland. Um, looking forward to it. Actually, I'm taking my son to his first professional football game ever. Um, so that's going to that's going to be an interesting weekend. But um, ostensibly, it's to hopefully see Bale run out for LAFC against Portland. So fingers crossed. Well, there you go. I I thought you were going to. You know, I'm 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 going for the uh, for the touching family moment that I'm sure this will be. No, no, I just wanna, <laughs> I just want to go and see Gareth Bale. No. Um, well, there you are. In the un, in the unlikely event that Iwan is listening to this, apologies, uh, Iwan, that uh, that your mum loves Gareth Bale more than she loves you. What can you uh, What can you do? Anyway, what can you say? oh yeah, I mean we all do. Um, on that uh, cheery note. Um, let's let's wrap up there, Ruth. And um, we've done a lot there, but I think we've got quite a lot covered. I I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that quite cathartic. I I feel like I did talk uh, more than you this time. So apologies to you, but also apologies to the listeners who are like after an hour a quarter this point and probably fast asleep. So uh, so uh, apologies to them. But there you go. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your time as always, Ruth. Pleasure, pleasure. I think there's a lot of questions still percolating as we look forward to to november isn't there so we've got we've got plenty to talk about over the next few weeks yes we will always find something to talk about um uh, the Euros draw is coming out soon, so we'll be mentioning that. The women's playoff game is coming out is coming up soon, so we'll be discussing that as well as whether, well, you know, the, all the other the important bits uh, that, that inevitably arise. Some very brief housekeeping, if you're still with us. Uh, thank you to everyone who supported us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Coleman Stream. It is very much appreciated. If you do want to help support us, keep this podcast free, please do consider going to buy us a, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Coleman Stream and support us on there. Any anything small or large helps uh, hugely to, to keep things free. Um, equally, if you haven't subscribed on Spotify or Apple Music or iTunes or Podbean or Acast or 
SoundCloud or wherever you listen to us, please, please, please consider doing that so that you are notified every time that our three-hour podcasts um, pop up in, in, your, in your inbox. Maybe you don't want notification of the three-hour ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. I'll try and I'll edit that out. Um, okay, there you go, ladies and gents. Um, thank you very much for your time, uh, and we will be back soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.